Hey guys, how are we doing? Uh, Membership Inner Circle. We are here with another live recording and we're very, very honoured and privileged to welcome, uh, for my money, England's best batter over the last 30 years, uh, Marcus Juskothic. Marcus, hello, hello Ron. Ross. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm very good. Very good. So what season is this for you? Number 28 or something? 26. Yeah, so we're one game in. One game in into the season. Um, so yeah, number 26, the knee hurts, the ankle hurts, the back hurts, pretty much everything. So um, crack on and see what happens. Happy days. So let's just get into it, mate. Um, so your first 26, quick maths here, about 94, your first season? 93. 93. Yeah. Tell us, how has the game changed since then, mate? Uh, bits and pieces, really. Um, it sort of obviously developed pretty quickly. I think more from when the T20 sort of really got invented. Um, that is when it, it moved on dramatically with the introduction uh, and the, the dynamism of the game. You know, it, it's uh, people trying to do so much and invent new shots, being more athletic, being more um, open to ideas and, and inventing new things. So um, it then affected the, the one-day style of the game in the 50 overs um, and then it also then progressed into to four days in test match cricket as well. I think people have just uh, moved the game forward dramatically because it's um, it's a lot faster paced game in, in all formats of it, whatever it is now, but people are more open to the ideas of the fact that they can score at higher rates and, and not feel under pressure of the fact that what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it, was it a bit weird for you? Because I remember when it came in, I think it was 2003, and um, I think you were away with England at the time. In the first game, we had a Somerset. We were playing Warwickshire. And I remember we were batting first and we were all on the, on the balcony. Everyone almost had an intake of breath for the first over thinking, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were the first ball. I think Burnsy might have been opening. He, he left it and everyone was like, oh, is that it? Yeah. But then <laughs> it just rolled on. So... From sort of being outside, sort of with England at the time and looking at it, what were you, what were you thinking? Do you think it was going to take off? Uh, I think it was a bit of a gimmick, wasn't it? I think more, um, you know, it was just a bit of a show. It was a bit of entertainment. It was a bit, um, um, just something new that you know. I don't, I don't, I don't think people really thought this was going to go anywhere. I think a lot of people from the younger generation at that time had been brought up on T Twenty cricket via the club store stuff. Um, you played loads of T Twenty cricket when you're growing up. Um, but not in the same fashion as you do when you're playing professional, of course. But um, it, I think it then pretty pretty much dawned on people that this was going to be something that's uh, going to be part of the furniture for a period of time because it's just um, it got bigger and bigger. The, the audiences were, were growing all the time, and suddenly introduction of things like IPLs and the, the volume of money that was going to be chucked into it was massive. So people started to take it pretty seriously because suddenly they could see that this was going to be the next generation of the game. Um, and then they started inventing all the the, all the the product that comes with it and all the shots that come with it and, and people rechanged their opinion and their style of, uh, of what could happen. Um, and then it, it, it flowed from there and we are where we are today. So do you think it directly correlated with... Um chases in the, in the longer form to 50 overs and even to a certain extent in some of the four-day games mm. that used to be. I remember um, there was a one-day international with you guys playing out in West Indies and they needed eight and over off the last 10 with about five wickets left. Mm. And uh, 
and normally the, those games why they're never going to get it yeah and they suddenly got it and there's almost a, a big sort of mind shift really of yeah. thinking that some things which were out of reach before now yeah. you can get anything yeah of course it was because you know you go back to the days of uh 60 over cricket when 220 was a good score and people were getting nowhere near it you know and what's you know, it's 60 overs now, you would, they would, they'd be getting 450, 500. You know, you'll see scores mm. in 50 over cricket now with 400 quite regularly. Um, numerous games at, uh, at Taunton, we've seen um, 380 plays 365 or um, a T20 game where you're getting 230. You know, it's just dramatically gone forward. The people have changed their approach completely and the fear is gone from what they're trying to achieve because... Um, more and more overs are going for 20 plus where you know if you'd have been happy getting 12 and over 15 and over in you know in big games and um that would have been that you'd been content with that but you know people really realize now that you can take a bowler down and take him for a, a 25 and it's not completely out of the realms of, of the game so um it completely revolutionized the way that people play all formats of the game because of what they've what they've been you know brought up on playing t20 cricket Yes, man. I mean, we had the semi-final last year, the uh, the 50-over trophy, and Jason Roy came out, and there were 120 for one off 10 overs. Mm. <laughs> we were like, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely, yeah. you know, even for what's happening now, it was just a different level. Yeah, more and more people, are they're also producing the, the better pitches, aren't they? Because one-day cricket, because they want to see those sort of games where people go and get 380 or 400 runs in a game. Um because that's, that brings the crowds in. People want to see the ball flying out the ground. They want to see bowlers bowling fast or spinners bowling the ball both ways. They want to see that little bit of specialness about the game. But um, the biggest part of the game that has really changed is the power hitting from the from the batsmen. It's, that's really gone forward. And, you know, to a point now where uh, the ICC are changing the, the size of the bats because they're saying too big, they reckon they've grown out of proportion. I, I really don't think it makes a great regular difference personally. Um, I think it's more about the strength work they've done, the timing of they've spent in the gym, um, and the work they've done to to change and and be better at what they have. So, um, you know, the rest of the game is trying to catch up, but but uh, um, it's harder to catch up in other areas where I think the, the batters have got stronger and faster and can now hit the ball further. Yeah, I mean. You were one of the first ones, really, across all forms, who your strike rate was always quite high, wouldn't it? I mean, test cricket, it was up around 80s, stuff like that. And um, uh, was it, was I, it I was always quite lucky, I guess, with, with that. It was just quite a natural thing that I used to just hit the ball. Um, that was always mm. my style of play, and it was probably, um, now it's the norm of what everyone's trying to do, isn't it? So um, it's, it is what it is. You know, I think, uh, you know, you, I sort of grew up on good pitches at Taunton where you could, it allowed you to do that um, and get off the good starts and, you know, and sort of people have then built upon it. But uh, there was many other players out there who also came into the game who, who sort of took the game to the opposition. I think in other countries, maybe more, and maybe England were, were a little bit slow to catch up into what everyone else was doing. So, so it was just natural for you, literally. You didn't go out thinking, I got up the run right here. You just yeah. sort of play my natural yeah. game all the time. Once I'd sort of come to terms with that, that was where I was going to bat at the top of the order, especially in one-day cricket, because I sort of chopped and changed for a number of years um, and took on the mantle of opening the batting. That you know, that I quite enjoyed the fact that you know I saw the ball quite well, 
and you know you, you give it a good smack as i used to and it used to you know it was perfect style of play for really for playing at the top of the order of course that is your role to do it that's your that's your position you've got to go out and um go after it pretty quickly so that was my position in the team to be able to do that but in championship cricket of course that that enabled it also the fact that the fielders were up uh, play on good pitches and you can be pretty pretty aggressive from the start Let's um let's take you back a little bit to when you got the first call up for England, mm. and uh, it was my first year actually at, at Somerset. You started the season pretty well. I think you'd done done an eight tour before that. Yes, so ninety nine I went to uh, Bangladesh and New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So then you came back. You started well, and there was a lot of chat that you were going to be up. What mm. was the um what was the feeling like around there? Because you hadn't been to almost setting the world like you weren't averaging. 60 odd in first class cricket but yeah. obviously Duncan Fletcher saw something in you and, and then you went how did you feel when you first sort of went to the England full side got into the monks already so big names at the time really big names weren't they yeah well of course there is but I think there is in any England team of course there is um I, I was really disappointed I didn't initially get picked for the uh for the one day series which I thought I'd done enough I scored pretty decent runs and I thought I, you know, I'd also been bowling a bit at that time, and I got a few wickets that that really sort of boosted um, my calls a little bit. But um, it wasn't; it was only because of injury that I got an opportunity. Um, but I remember when I get started playing, it was just like this is where I want to be. You know, I really enjoyed the buzz. I really enjoyed the atmosphere of international cricket. The, the thirty thousand people sat in the crowd watching and cheering. Um, that's where I felt like I belonged to to, to be. You know, I wasn't. The occasion was was ready made for me so um it, it fitted in perfectly and you know i never looked back after that point it just that's where i wanted to play the rest of my cricket from there on in. so you just literally like a dr water wasn't it it was straight in there and and bang yeah i didn't get phased by the fact that what it was it, it was just like this is amazing this is where i want to play you know so uh, and other times uh, don't be wrong i have been in certain games before and you suddenly get wow this is a big game and a big opportunity um, and it completely changes your feeling. I think it was a final against Gloucester for Somerset, 99, I think it was, and I was totally overrun by the occasion um, and didn't cope with the nerve well enough to be able to produce any goods. Um, but I did when I was with England. I felt that was fine. Now, your first test match, uh, I always remember it because you're playing West Indies. Yeah. And um, it was two, two of my favourite bowlers ever, I think, Walsh and Ambrose running into the air. Yeah. And the first half an hour was some of the best bowling I've seen. And uh, I remember watching it, but you just sort of looked like you were so calm against it. And England were, were up and down at the time, weren't they? It wasn't an easy time. Facing those two, some of the all-time greats, weren't they? Well, Walsh Ambrose, yeah, starting off your career in that sort of aspect was, was pretty tricky. I was on naught for 45 minutes. Um, yeah. yeah, so you can imagine the sort of nerves that I was running through and the sort of anxieties that are going through your brain at that point but um uh it soon changed so i got 60 66 i think day one um in a long time a real block the crap out of it so um it was a dull innings to watch i'm sure but um if it, it started pretty well i think you know having the confidence from the one day series to go in um on the back of that that uh i was pretty comfortable going into the test series at that time yeah, but has there been many uh, many harder periods to get through than that first period? Uh, probably not. No, there's other periods, obviously, within games that you place um, pressurised situations and 
Um, you're facing Warner McGrath potentially. They'll see there's putting plenty of pressure on you. You're facing Brett Lee in Australia when he's he's running the involving quick, and it's pretty intimidating. But um, every challenge is different. You get different scenarios, different places against different bowlers. So equally as uh, as tough as that. So what was your setup when you were facing the real quicks and they were coming in and they were flying in, like you said, Brett Lee and um, those lads? How would you? What would be your mindset to face them? Are you looking to score or just leave? What were you going to do? Uh, so in my, in my first test match, I was just waiting for a bad ball where they didn't bowl any. As you can imagine, being on four, being on not four by minutes, you're waiting for your first one. Um, it takes a while, but um, Brett Lee sometimes, depend, it all depends on the situation of the game. Um, if you're playing well and it's a good pitch and it's not too quick, then yeah, I'm going after it because I'm just trying to put pressure back on the bowlers. Um, if it's in their favour and they've got a brand new ball and they've got three wickets down or something, then then potentially you might try and dig in and survive a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, it's totally situationally based uh, on what you need to do because you've got to read the circumstances and understand that you know you've got to, you've got to be able to adapt to, to different things. So that first morning at Edgbaston, two thousand five, yeah, obviously McGrath's gone down, tripped over the ball. Yeah. Did you consciously think he's not in? I'm going at me, or no, did you just uh, let the game? We sort of um, everything was working in our favour. It's like you say, McGrath was was gone down injured. That was a big blow for them. Um, and then uh, they won the toss and batted, which we thought was a terrible mistake because we always knew it was a good pitch at Edgebaston and started slow. So it started pretty nicely and we knew we got out there, it was, it was a pretty sunny day and the ball was, was pretty flat. So um, we, we managed to get off to a bit of a start pretty quickly and we could put pressure on them and it, and it just got, it gathered momentum, you know, and built and built and built. And uh, the more balls they bowled, the more runs we, we went after. I think we were about 117 or 120 at lunch, I think. Um, mm. And really sort of just went after them on day one. It just got going and we gained momentum pretty quickly after that. You got 400 in a day, I think, wasn't it? Something like that. I think it was 480 overs. Um, and then they batted for for the last eight overs or 10 overs of the day. Um, I think that's what it was. But I remember sitting back after I was out watching KP and Freddie and it was like um, like watching a testimonial match, like a benefit game, because the ball was just like, it was either four, it was six, it was out, it was wickets flying, there was runs coming. It was just absolute manic. You just couldn't take your eyes off it for a minute. It was an incredible series, wasn't it? Does it, does it? does it feel a bit surreal now to look back on it and think you're in it? Uh, listen, I, I, I've talked about it so many times. Um, uh, I've gone through it. Um, I can't remember how many times that we've, we've sat and talked about it at various points in my life, um, at various dinners or after dinner speeches and things like that that you discuss it. But um, now and again, you get your clip of it, don't you? You see it back on TV. It's quite nice to watch and sit down and remember, oh, I don't remember that or I don't remember this. Um, it's quite nice to refresh the brain and uh, remember how special it was. So what, the whole sort of period, because you had the, the series before that in, in West Indies, where you steamrolled them, and South Africa was a big one as well. Yeah, 04, 05 was a, was a big winter for us because um, we were building, obviously, for this crescendo of the ashes. Um, and I thought we all said that that was a big test of us. If we could go away and win over there, we knew that we'd be in a good position then to be able to test ourselves against the best coming up in the summer, which we did. We did well. We, we played well in South Africa. We were a good side, sort of gelling quite nicely and just building for that right time. And uh, we beat them 2-1 in their own 
their own place against a good side at the time. We did well there. Yeah, the bowling attack, you know, it, you had Jones, who was quick, you know, Harmson quick and bounced, same as Fred, and then Hoggard swinging it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, Jarlow probably underestimated how good a spinner he was, but the whole, the five-man attack there, you know, did wonders really, didn't they? Yeah, well, it complemented each other quite nicely. Um, everybody sort of brought different things and could um, could deliver things at certain times. It, I think it really helped that you had Steve Harmson progressing to become the best bowler in the world at the time um, from sort of like the winter in South Africa, sorry, the winter in um, West Indies, and then all the way through 205. And, you know, he was the, the best bowler in the world, best fast bowler. Backed up with Freddie, who was probably, you know, would have been in the top five, probably top ten. Um, and then Simon and Hoggy were doing a great job as well. But um, the perfect storm of everything sort of coming together where you have the, the balance of the team, the batting, the batting order, what you wanted to, to get. The bowling team was was strong. Um, and then you're adding the likes of Pete, Kevin Peterson as the series went on or as the summer went on that just uh, gave you that little bit of something, bit of bit of magic. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, still interesting to look back on the team you had. There were, those lads were brilliant at getting the reverse swing as well, weren't they? So was there yeah. was there big emphasis on getting the ball in the right condition to help them? Uh, I don't know, really. It just seemed to happen. I think we had two very, very good bowlers who were good at bowling reverse swing, Simon and, and Freddie. Um, Simon, in particular, I thought was probably the best reverse swing bowler that I, I played with and managed to make it work. Um, you know, once you get bowlers who understand how to bowl with it, then they then they can make it work pretty quickly. So um, you, you try and get the ball in any certain conditions, don't you? you just the, the, the pitch dictates what's going to happen and sometimes you get lucky and it gets there. Now, so we've started your, your 26th season. Yeah. How was your winter prepping for this and, and, and how has your winters changed over the years? Uh, yeah, they gradually sort of... Um, evolved, I guess, and done slightly differently, um, purely because the body needs looking after that little bit more. So over my time, there would be more mobility stuff um, in general, I, I would say, uh, and quite a considerable amount less of on-feet um, training um, for the first part of the of the winter, more than anything else, and then you build it back up into it. So just trying to protect the knees, the ankles and, and various parts of the bodies that ache pretty much constantly when you get to the start of the summer. So you're a little bit more smarter. I don't do any of the bleep tests or um, MAS tests and um, yo-yo tests that, that, that the boys go through. I do have my own sort of variation on a, on the watt bikes that, uh, that we get given. Um, so I don't exactly get away with any testing, but uh, not any of the yo-yos because they're pretty grim. And how much do you bat? When do you start batting? Around January time? Uh, yeah, generally, yeah, generally going into you know early early time of the year. Um, yeah, I tend to put them away for a couple of months and just sort of build up uh, um, a bit of energy and then get back into it. So how long have you got left? Ah, uh, three, four, five years maybe. I don't know really. I, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. It might, be, might be three or four games going <laughs> the way my knee is hurting at the moment, but. Uh, who knows? We'll wait and see. I, I, I'm still enjoying it. Um, we obviously got a good win against uh, your boys last week. Um, so, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Awesome. Mate. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. And um, it, it's been a pleasure. And obviously, watching you and having you as a friend has uh, been a real privilege. So, thanks very much. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you soon.
Cheers.